Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, Philip focuses on the jealousy principle. Plus, an interview with digital marketing expert Samantha Mansfield. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now... Here's Philip. So we're back with another episode, y'all. Uh, I have a good guest today. Her name is Samantha Mansfield. And no, she's not in Mansfield, Texas. Um, side note, that, that's whenever I see her name, I'm like, oh, yeah, she's in Mansfield. No, she's not in Mansfield. It's just her last name. But um, she does, she helps CPAs do digital marketing, and which is interesting, right? Because you know, I I don't think I see any CPAs outside of Allison, which is how we met, um, doing any digital marketing, and, and and I don't see any of them doing it at the capacity that I think CPAs should be doing it for the value they give to the business community. So I'm I'm really curious to to get your perspective and thoughts. But before we you know get into that, um, how'd you get into the consulting business? You know, and specifically narrowing and niching into CPAs. Yeah. Well, thank you for asking me to be here today. And I'm happy to talk about this subject. I've been working with the tax and accounting professionals for over 20 years now. I started in sales and I started in technology sales. Uh, but what I just quickly discovered is that in the sales process, I really loved the middle part. I really loved getting to know the practitioner, their firm, what were the challenges, and what could we do to fix it. And so, you know, a true professional salesperson, the most exciting part of the process is when you get the sale. That was never the fun part for me. I was like, oh, the fun is done. <laughs> so I just loved really getting to know these professionals and figure out how do we make it better? How do we take this technology and let that have you connect more with your clients and be able to do more with your clients? And that's kind of how my career took the turn that it did and how I've ended up where I am today. Okay. And 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 so is is my intuition right as far as like attorneys don't don't like I think you could probably like do this work for like a thousand years before you help attorneys get up to speed. Are are, are you seeing attorneys let me backtrack. Attorneys, uh, CPAs. Are you seeing CPAs doing it more than what I'm seeing, or are you kind of like fighting an uphill battle? Well, I think with one, I would say some of that's going to vary by the size of the firm okay. because it will depend on the resources and so forth that they have. Uh, so the majority of the firms in this country, CPA firms in this country, are pretty small firms. Uh, they're are something to the effect of 45,000 CPA firms in the nation. Oh, wow. And there's the top 500 firms, uh, which has a certain number of CPAs. It's not based on revenue, but the number of CPAs in the organization. 
And those are the top 500. So everybody under that are pretty small firms. So the professions really tends to be made up by small, small firms. And what I do tend to find is that they don't have a lot of time to commit to it. I think that the CPA profession relies very heavily on word of mouth client referrals and their reputation leading the way in in their new clients. What I think is not, I think what is changing is that with the technology that's available to the profession and the clientele not feeling as much that they have to meet in person or I have to see you face to face to trust you and to work with an advisor. Um, many people are needing to create that digital persona that you're speaking of because your future clients are going online and they're looking for who's the expert in either my industry or the types of needs I have. And they don't have to be in my geographic area for me to approach them to work with them. So I think for the profession, though, they've historically been able to lean heavily just on that word of mouth. They do want to make sure that they have a strong digital footprint out there so that people can find them online. And then the tools, I don't have to work with you face-to-face for us to work together effectively, right? With the cloud and the, the document sharing and all of that that's possible. I think it's really changing the game for them. Okay. And, and just and just so I understand mm-hmm. everything you do for a CPA, like so so if I'm a CPA and I'm I'm thinking, all right, I definitely want to get more digital. Mm-hmm. Like, but I'm a, I'm imagining like most people don't even understand what that you know, what that fully even means, right? And and even you and I talking, we can both say digital, but we might be talking about two different things. So what what are you helping them do? Um, to 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 move to 2020 and do business in a better way. Absolutely. So when I talk about digital, because that's an absolutely excellent point. Um, some people will look at it specifically as the technology. Some people look at it as a mindset. But what I would say is that when an accounting professional is looking to be digital, they need to, it's both. It's actually embracing the technology and putting that into practice so that they can, I'm going to take a step back uh, as a better way to lead into this. When we look at what happened this year with, with COVID and we all had to stay home and we couldn't interact together, firms that had really embraced a digital strategy within their organizations and the technology, they didn't miss a step. They just sent their teams home. They had all of the infrastructure in place to be able to keep working and collaborating with clients. And they were able to even launch new services very quickly because the technology infrastructure was in place. But they also had the mindset. They had the mindset in place that I don't have to see the client face-to-face to be able to still offer the high value that we have. And there are some that uh, haven't embraced that mindset yet, that it still feels as though if I can't see you face-to-face, then you don't feel the value of my, my expertise and what I'm bringing. And as we look at younger generations coming up and what they're starting with, 
that's not important to them. Mm -hmm. That's not nearly as important to them. And so, yes, you do still have some customers right now that are hungry to get back into your office and and get to see you face-to-face. I think in general, many of us (laughs) are tired of the video camera and I just want to see a real human. So, I mean, that's, that's independent of the profession. But you have to prepare that more and more of your clientele are going to be perfectly comfortable meeting over a Zoom meeting or uh, just talking via email and digitally. And so when we talk about that digital marketing, then it's again, you have to have a digital persona. You have to be out there. You're you have to have a LinkedIn profile. You have to um, be in the social media areas where your target clientele are going to be, right? Mm-hmm. Because if they can't find you out there, your website's one of the last places that they go. <laughs> Reason being is your website is fully documented by you. So they're looking for other people's input on, can I trust you? Who are you? What's your knowledge? So you have to be out in these other places so people can find and see your expertise. And, and you know, it's funny you say that because I think about, you know, I'm I'm a millennial, I'm an older millennial, but I'm also on the spectrum of like business and stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm a early ish adopter right yes um, uh-huh. not not a, you know the the super nerds are the early adopters i'm an early ish <laughs> adopter and we I, I was like yeah that's true because like even when we got connected and i looked you up i didn't i, I still haven't been to your website i just went to your linkedin and kind of got your background looked at what you did because um it just feels more personal and you know i don't even think about it you know and like you said if somebody doesn't have a, if i meet somebody in business i don't have a linkedin they're not real to me. I'm like, you're not even real. unless they're like a manufacturer or something. I don't understand. But if they're in the in the people <laughs> business and they don't have a social profile, I'm like, oh, you're not a real person. Are you like exactly. a Russian bot or something? Um, right. In fact, I mean, like I said, I've been working in tax and accounting for over 20 years, and I just start went off on my own with my own uh, consulting business a year ago. I don't even have a website yet. And the reason, um, there are multiple reasons, but I want to make sure I get that that message 100% right. And I had a number of clients already to work with, but I knew my LinkedIn had to be there and my Twitter is active and places where people can find me so that they absolutely know this is the the type of information that I share. And here are people that I connect with and, with and work with and and, and absolutely, um, that's how I've been connecting. So I'm certainly not saying a website's not important, um, but I just wanted to say that in case somebody did try to go look for my site, that's still something in the works for me. But my my social media was more important to be ready for me uh, when I stepped out versus having that website on the first day of my opening my business. Awesome, awesome. The CPAs that you're working with, what are they doing? Because one of the big challenges that I hear is, I don't even know if I, maybe I heard in the podcast, Allison sent me a podcast, but like a lot of CPAs are worried about Intuit and uh, mm-hmm. TurboTax and, you know, all these companies that are like, like for me and what I want, I've, like you said, I've, I value convenience over face-to-face. Like if you can make it easy for right. me, then I don't, I don't got to see you. I just need to get what I need to get done, done. And so um, what are some of the CPAs that, that you're working with or, or what is your advice to CPAs? that are nervous about Intuit and TurboTax and all these other simple things, you know, edging them out of the marketplace? 
Absolutely. I think it's a fantastic question. And if you had even asked me that question 15 years ago, I think the answer would have been slightly, slightly different, but still the same direction. Because when I started my career in 2000, the big thing that I did hear at that time is, well, there's QuickBooks and so there's no money to be made in accounting services. And that is absolutely a false statement right now, because one of the fastest growing areas for accounting professionals is client accounting advisory services. And so what's happened with accounting work is that because of technology like QuickBooks or and here's the real kicker is the fact that it's cloud-based now is that those tools allow for a collaboration between the client and the accountant. So it's not as though the client is bringing to the accountant, here's all my check stubs, here's my bank statement, you know, you do it, give me a financial statement at the end of the month and we call it good. That service still exists. It's right up. But it's not a growing area. It's not a high margin area. So when we look at what's the service that's really taking firms forward, it's the service where the firm is able to be a true advisor. When we look at what happened this year and how businesses needed to lean on their accountants, they weren't doing it for compliance work. They needed that knowledge and that expertise from these accounting professionals to help me figure out how do I forecast? How do I cover a payroll? What, what is the best option for me for funding to keep my business going? Um, can I retire now, right? I, I, what do I do? We don't know what the market's doing. This happened to a family member of mine. They had planned that they were going to retire this summer. And with all of this going on, they decided, I, I got to work another year. I'm too scared to do this. But that's the type of stuff where they need that advisor input. And so practitioners that are now positioning their services that the compliance work is part of it because we have to have reliable data and numbers. But really what we're getting from the relationship with the accountant is all of the insight and the foresight that the numbers can tell. And so the software can't compete with that. Right. The software can automate, but it can't give all of that knowledge. And that's what a lot of business owners have found. I can use the off-the-shelf do-it-myself programs, but I'm not going to get all of the wisdom. And that's why I still want to work with a practitioner. Yeah. And I love that you said that because whenever people are afraid of tech, I'm like, no, like tech enables us to be more human, right? I think yes. I think people yes. are like, oh, tech's destroying jobs. I'm like, but the jobs that they're destroying are jobs that people hate anyway. They <laughs> you don't require human, you know, you, you don't you don't need to be human to do it. I was like, so we're getting as technology becomes more efficient, we get to do more human things. Like for example, my son is nine. And it's this YouTube gaming star that oh, teaches yes. videos that he loves. And I'm sure this guy makes hundreds of thousands of dollars on these videos. But, you know, like he's a human being uh, DJing how to, you know, how to play these new uh, teched out games. And, and so, you know, making a hundred, few hundred thousand dollars a year doing that versus, I guess, 30 years ago. I mean, 
mom, 30 years ago, my mom was like, stop playing video games. You're getting dumber. And now I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, man, this guy's making like millions just doing video games. So, uh, it's true. It, you know, and those are the types of things when we talk about digital marketing or looking to the future, we have to be looking at what's going to be the future industries. Like you just said, whoever anticipated my clients are going to be YouTube stars. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what, what, how does that model work? Or, you know, there's there were the early adopters who started taking on the cannabis uh, industry, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And now that's starting to become a little bit more mainstream. But what are those industries that you can start to become the expert and be that early one that serves a market nationally, not just in your local area? Yeah, no, that that's awesome. You mentioned time earlier, and and I and I and I have my objection to this when everybody says. Philip, how do you have time to do all this kind of stuff? Um, <laughs> yes. But I'm, cur I'm curious to hear your thoughts. on Because a lot, a lot of people say, Philip, I would love to do what you do. I just don't have the time. And I look at them like, what are you talking about? But I understand because when I started, when I bought into this, I thought the same thing until I started getting results. And I'm like, no, I want more time to do this. Right. Well, I think it goes exactly to what you just said. It's we have to look at the items on our to-do list which for most of us is always overflowing and there's never enough time to get it all done. And so it's really a prioritization, which again is another buzzword. I know it's one that really, but what I mean by that is we do not spend enough time looking at what's going to drive the future activity. And so I actually just read a quote yesterday. I wish I had it pulled up here in front of me, so I'm going to have to paraphrase it. But it was by the author of Atomic Habits, uh, James Clear. And he was speaking of, we have to look at what are the activities I'm going to do today that will impact my me 10 years from now. Mm. And there's the Chinese proverb the tree you want today, you need to have planted 20 years ago. Mm, Same that. concept, right? So what you're doing and what you're prioritizing by making sure you're doing this, you're planting those seeds and you're laying that out for the future. And it's always hard because we can always say, okay, tomorrow, tomorrow I'll get to that. But then all those fires pop up, right? So it is something you need to preserve on your calendar, and it is something you have to make an important job. Otherwise, we start to feel that pain, and it might be next year. It could be in a couple of years where these waves of these trends will start to impact you. Yeah. But the other thing that I think the profession can do right now is there are so many questions out there, uh, especially heading into the new tax season. And with, you know, what what is the PPP loan that I took out? What is that going to mean for my tax return? And, uh, you know, what are we doing with payroll taxes and all of these questions? Well, you have a ton of qu clients with these same questions. So doing things like a podcast or I know another firm that got involved with a talk radio that's very popular in their area and now has a segment on there. And that's been driving tremendous growth for them. But what they're doing is they're leveraging all the research they have to do anyway to be ready for the next year. And then they're helping to put that out in the community. And that's highlighting them as an expert in this area 
in creating that traffic in inbound traffic to them. So the key thing that I recommend is think about how you can pull double duty on work that you're already having to do. These questions you're having to answer for clients, put an FAQ together, put that on your website, put that on your social media as a resource. And then it's easy to constantly update as these regulations keep changing, right? Mm -hmm. Do a podcast with like a gentleman like yourself, Philip, and, you know, get, get those words out there or start your own podcast. You know, um, you, d- you don't have to overthink the starting point. And I think you would agree with that, right? You can right. start small and then see how that grows. Uh, perfect. Great, great, great answer. And, and when we, when we were prepping, you mentioned, um, or we were talking about, you know, my favorite brand being Adidas and how, I, you know, I don't know when I fell in love with Adidas. I have an idea of, you know, you know how you, you make up a story after you ask the question. So I made up the story you know that uh, <laughs> that it was a it really was a high school basketball team, and I was like, you know what? But I'm not going to the league. I'm gonna be a businessman. I'm gonna be the first businessman that Nike has like some businessman Adidas. Um, Fantastic. Uh, they're, gonna, they're gonna sponsor me, and so. But but my point is, we were talking about to compete in a digital age, you have to be Adidas versus like the transactional salesperson because right. if you're transactional, internet's gonna win, right? The low cost, the low cost provider of what you do on the internet will win. And so, um, and we've kind of talked about it, but what can, and I guess we did talk about it, but just for those who, who needed it said a different way, what are some things that CPAs can do to build their brand um, mm-hmm. and become the Adidas of CPAs in their area? Definitely. I think a couple of things they need to do is really play on their strengths, which is the trust that's in the profession. CPAs have the highest level of trust as, as business professionals, second to doctors. Doctors are, are the only ones that most, that people just implicitly trust. So there's a tremendous amount of trust that's just put right into a CPA. The exams they have to go through, the ethics that they constantly have to go through, there's just this trust. So they need to play into that. But the other thing that they need to do is that they need to get comfortable with asking the uncomfortable question. Because I think a lot of times what they'll do is they'll focus on what they're the expert on and be a little more cautious of asking questions that I'm not going to have an immediate answer. And yet when you are that trusted advisor, you will see things. You're going to observe things that as a business owner or a person in your own finances, you get tunnel vision, right? Mm -hmm. I, I can't see that perspective. And so being, taking that trust and really becoming an advisor, part of that means you have to start asking questions about things they're not currently thinking of. And just by the fact that you start breaking that expectation that you're just going to stay focused on compliance or the tax return or just talking about the numbers, but you're going to start asking me, well, what are my goals? What What's my succession plan that I'm trying to go for? Um, what's keeping me up at night? And then help me to develop a plan on that. All of that will significantly impact the your personal brand or your firm's brand. Because you break that mold of you're the tax guy, mm-hmm. right? You ask most people, what does a CPA do? 
and it's, well, taxes, <laughs> but they do so much more than that. And they know so much more than that. And so we've already talked about other items, like you said, but I think they really own the trust that they have, but then execute on being an advisor. Don't just say you're an advisor and then just stick with the compliance because that's not advising. Mm-hmm. You got to engage with the client. You got to ask the tough questions and then go ahead and find what's really going to make the difference for your clients. As I was just saying to one practitioner when they were kind of, we were talking about how to approach clients. I said, you know, you have a lot of clients that have dreams, but they don't have goals yet because your dream is a dream as long as it doesn't have a plan. And it becomes a goal when we, when you can help them build the plan to get there. And I think accountants can do that a lot for clients. I love that. I love that. What, what, and, and what's your thought before we get to the last two questions? Like what, what, what are your thoughts on, um, like, like, for example, you know, on the, on the brand question, I use Instagram more to like, I'll put clips of this on it too, but it's also more for like people to know me, right? Meaning, mm-hmm. meaning obviously I put a lot of money stuff out there, but I'm also a husband, also a father. I hate the Cowboys. Absolutely. I love the Saints. You know, <laughs> I love Muay Thai. Uh, I, I, I like working out on Adidas. And, 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 and a lot of, you know, um, like I genuinely like it, but I also intentionally share it because I'm just like, hey, I just need to find four or 500 families that like, that just like me. You know, obviously, right. obviously the stuff is good, but I'm like, I want the people who, you know, people gonna be like, oh, he like, he hates the Cowboys. I do too. I like that guy, you know, or he loves the Saints. <laughs> yes. You know, I do too. And so I think I think that's important to share, right? Because back in the yeah. days before the internet, at the end of the day, nobody worked with the nobody worked with the smartest CPA. They worked with the CPA that went to the uh, you know, Green Bay Packers bar with them, you know, <laughs> and hung out. You know, you know, you know what I mean? So they Absolutely. Would... Absolutely. We want to work with people that that do think and have similar uh, value systems as ourselves. And so when we know a little bit more about the person we're doing business with, then one, that does help with trust. uh, But two, we're drawn to that. You know, Simon Sinek talks about that a lot too, that we need to communicate our why. Why do we do what we do? Why do we do the business that we do. And so when we communicate that and what inspires us and what keeps us going every day, and like you said, what what gets you excited, people are going to say, that does me too. I, I could work with this guy. And so, right, you're not this faceless person. That's one of the things I've been hearing. We've been hearing so much about Zoom fatigue and, oh, I'm so tired of the video and all of this. But here's really a positive I've heard from a lot of people. And that is, you've become a human to me now. Because I see your environment. I see your kid pop up in your frame or like what happened to me yesterday. My cat suddenly woke up and jumped right in front of my video camera, you know, but we all have those moments. We all have our vulnerabilities and we're much more human. And it's not as though, you know, I'm just addressing a board or I'm just addressing a CPA in his tie. 
no, you're a person with a family and kids and hobbies and and there is that connection there. And that's one of the lovely things is we've had more of a peek into that. You're really good at sharing that on Instagram. A lot of people aren't. So even just these Zoom calls have helped create that a little bit. Absolutely. Hey, look, and for the Cowboys fans out there, let me let me restate what I'm saying. I don't actually <laughs> hate the Cowboys. I just thoroughly dislike your inability to see reality. They suck. They suck. <laughs> You know, and they won't be good until they get a new general manager who who moves out of the way, right? I, 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 I like the Mavericks because they have a great organization. I would love to like the Cowboys. I tried, but yeah. Anyway, well, thank goodness my father's not in this call. Completely <laughs> derailed at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For, hey, for, football season's on Facebook for for me. I I took the Facebook app off my phone during election season because it was getting ridiculous. Oh, but goodness. normally this time of year. I'm just arguing back and forth with Cowboys fans on my on my because uh, I'm forced to watch it because my my mother-in-law's a huge fan and my wife's a 50% fan. I got her 50% on the Saints, but she's a 50% Cowboys fan. So <laughs> I watch I watch the games and and bet against the Cowboys and get and and 60% of the time throughout the year I'm feeling good and they're feeling bad. So it's a, it's a it's good. It's, <laughs> <laughs> well, my dad grew up in Midland, Texas, and so uh, yeah. he has forever been a Cowboys fan, but yeah. he's very disappointed, I I will say, <laughs> yeah. but diehard Cowboys yeah, fan. Yeah. I, 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 I tell you, I'm like, hey, look, Jerry Jones, though, is my hero when it comes to making money. God, I, got, I, was, like, I was like, anybody who can have the most valuable franchise with a 30-year losing season team, and maybe not 30 years, maybe like 25 years, I was like, that is a genius. Like, I would love to like work for him for like, a year and be like, Jerry, how do you do it? Well, talk about losing. I'm in the Detroit metro area, so I think Lions have <laughs> one of the records there. So. Yeah, Detroit, though, in the first, when was that? That was last Monday, like the first five minutes of the game, 14 0 in New Orleans. I was like, wait, what is going on? Drew Brees, maybe you should retire. And then he came back and did his thing. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so last last couple of questions. What um, yeah. what are some of the important principles um, you 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 live by or and or use to 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 run your business? I love that question. And first and foremost, one of them for me is that you can learn something from everybody. I I am absolutely a firm believer that every person, no matter what age or uh, what they do, there's something that you can learn. Uh, and I, I really embrace every opportunity like that, every interaction, every opportunity like that. The other, the other thing that made a huge difference in my life, um, is that I heard the co-founder and former CEO of Netflix speak. Uh, he spoke at the digital CPA conference a couple years ago. And one of the things he said is that no entrepreneur he knows has the end result of their business looks the way they envisioned it on that first day. Mm. And I am a really analytical person. I think it's part of why I connect so well with the accounting profession, because that's usually one of their key strengths, too. It's what we love them for. 
But where I have my weakness in that is that I want to think through step one through a hundred before I take the first step because I want to think it all through. And when he said that, and then when we think of the rate of change that we have, I can't do that. I can't let my analytical strengths then get in the way of being able to progress and to innovate and to do something new. And so if I always think about every person I meet, there's something I can learn from this person, as well as keeping in mind, of course, I'm going to be thinking forward, but I, I, I'm not going to get it right if I set my course and I'll know I'm done when it looks exactly the way I envisioned it on step one, because I need to be more nimble and it's going to adjust and I'm going to take that feedback and it's going to tweak and I think more accounting professionals uh, need to try that as they try to branch into new services and they need to try new things. You know, we're, we're doing even a webinar next week of talking to firms about talk to your clients about fraud prevention and cybercrime. And a lot of practitioners that make them nervous, I'm not the expert on that. Well, you use your network, but again, as that advisor, this is a huge vulnerability for businesses because look at how many have implemented e-commerce. Did they go through and do what they needed to to keep the business safe and prevent uh, a, a hack? Probably not. It's those kinds of things. Don't let, because I can't see to the end line just yet, don't let that stop you from going ahead and starting. No, make makes makes sense. I like that. I like that. So you kind of you answered my last last question already on the football <laughs> the football question. Um, so I'm gonna switch it, and you can have a no answer, but I'm just gonna ask it because when I walked in, Steve asked Steve asked me this question: who Who do you have for the fight tomorrow? Khabib versus Justin Gaethje. Are, 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 <laughs> um, I'm really sorry to say I didn't even know there was a fight tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Tomorrow I will be sitting in a cemetery doing a historical cemetery walk for a, a community out here. So I had no idea there was a fight. <laughs> okay, no, no, no problem. I'll, I'll mark you as Khabib. That's that's my that's that's who I, that's who I think is going to win. So excellent. Yeah. Um, well, I definitely appreciate you coming on the show and sharing. Let everybody know. Um, or I guess it's LinkedIn, but um, yes. how they can reach out to you uh, if um, on LinkedIn or any other places you, you might have. They want Absolutely. more information. I am. I'm most active on LinkedIn and Twitter. So my LinkedIn is Samantha Mansfield and my Twitter is SN Mansfield. That's N as in Nancy Mansfield. Um, I'm very active on there. And my email, my phone number, everything is also on my LinkedIn. So you absolutely can reach me directly through there. And I'm happy to answer further questions. And I thank you so much for the opportunity to speak with you. My, my, my pleasure. And, and enjoy your weekend. Enjoy um, tomorrow. I'll, um, if, if, you, if you see me, actually, I guess we're not really friends. I got to follow you on Twitter. But I put, I put my, um, my fight stuff on Instagram. So you'll, you'll see uh, my thoughts on the winner. Uh, oh, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> sure. I will take a look at that. Thank uh, you so uh, much. All right. Have a good weekend. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So for the month of really end of September into October, I've been working with my team on building a five-day email series called Building Wealth After Age 37. 
what smart advisors won't say. And it's a five-day email course. The reason why I built it was there are so many people out here building investing courses. They cost thousands of dollars. And I've had a couple of friends and clients take the course and come out more confused than how they went into it. And they'd spent a thousand, two thousand bucks on it. And I know the people who are writing some of the courses and not a knock on them, but they don't have the experience and knowledge that a wealth manager has. And they definitely, at least some people are taking the course thinking with an expectation of what they're going to get and they're not fully getting it. And so I was like, hey, listen, I'm going to build a course specifically for the people that want to know how to invest. They don't want to be a day trader, right? They don't want to look at charts all day or read the Wall Street Journal all day or do all this research. They just want to know, okay, how should I be investing to one day become financially free, reach my retirement goal, right? I want to enjoy life. I'm good at what I do at work. I don't want to become a money manager. I want to know how to invest. I don't want to just rely on some financial advisor or wealth manager to tell me. They don't mind working with them, but they want to know, all right, what is the process? What should I be doing? How should I get educated? So when they, so if they work with a wealth manager or an advisor, they understand what's going on. Or if they don't want to work with one, they have a good plan in place or a good thought process in place or decision-making process in place to help them build a plan to help to potentially reach their goal. And so uh, that's the course, Building Wealth After 37, What Smart Advisors Won't Say. I literally just took what I've learned over the 14 years, put it into a five-day email series, short and concise. But after the five-day series, you will have what you need to uh, build your plan or go talk with a uh, wealth manager and feel confident in the conversation. So check it out. If you go to StonehillWealthManagement.com, it's on the front page, StonehillWealthManagement.com. It's on the front page. Put in your name, email address, and it'll go to you. I won't be spamming you. You'll get the emails, and and then you'll also get the weekly podcast episodes uh, sent to you. So that's it. Check it out. Let me know your thoughts. All right, next principle we're going to talk about this week is jealousy. And people, yeah, again, I know, I know. Just, just know that every principle is going to have something to do with money. And this is this is how jealousy, you know, a lot of times plays out. Lots of ways it plays out, but I'm going to give you one example, right? Maybe you went to high school with somebody and you start seeing them, or college, and then at the reunion you start seeing them pulling up in a nice car, they got nice. Maybe they maybe they they have a Louis Vuitton uh, purse, or maybe their spouse has one, or maybe they have just really nice stuff. And you start going, "Oh man, you know, I'm I'm happy for them." But inside, you kind of feel some kind of way, right? You, you're like, "Man, I was smarter than them. You know, they they shouldn't have more than me." And so, you know, and I've literally seen this happen. You you might have the urge to go outside of your means so that next time around, you're able to pull up in the nice car. With the purse that may, that that you that you can't afford, right? Because it you know, the issue is like do what you do, spend what you want on your money. That's not a big deal. But because of the jealousy of what you're experiencing from seeing somebody else have something that you don't have, you you might get the urge to go out of your way and run up some credit card bills to to appear better off than what you you know actually might be able to afford at the moment. So I like to give an alternative way to think about it and how I've seen successful people do it. But the best way, and and um, forgive me if you've heard my podcast before, I got like a bunch of episodes and I'm sure I've, I've used this story before, but the story is just so relevant for a lot of different things in life. And it is the story of the talents. I believe it's in Matthew, probably in some other book of the Bible because 
Jesus told it a couple different times. And if you're not a Christian, no big deal. Stick with the story because the moral of the story is the biggest important part, right? But it was, there were three different people who worked for this very wealthy dude. And one of the people, he left 10, you know, 10 pieces of gold. Let's call it pieces of gold. The other one, he left five pieces of gold. And then the other one, he he gave him one piece of gold. And so he said, hey, look, I'll be back in like five, 10 years. And let me know how much money you made on my money. So he comes back after a long period of time. And the first one was like, hey, look, you gave me 10. I flipped it, turned it into 10 more. So here's 20 pieces of gold back. He's like, cool, hold on to it. Keep making money with it. I appreciate you. I'm going to give you a promotion. Second one came back. He came back, went to the second one. Second one did the same thing. He he doubled it, went from five to 10, told him the same thing. Appreciate you taking care of my money. Go ahead and hold on to it. Make some money off of it. I'm going to promote you. The third one he went to, and the third one was like, hey, listen, you didn't even give me that much. And so because you didn't give me as much as them, you know, I just took what you gave and buried it because I was just afraid to lose it, you know, because I didn't, I didn't have as much. And so he took that, he took the one from that person and put him in jail and was like, hey, man, look, you could at least put it with the bank and earn some interest on it. So what's the more of that story? Life is not fair. Like, this life is not fair. Some people are born with more advantages than others in different areas of life. And I'm just, I ain't talking about money. I'm just talking about maybe health or whatever. So it's natural maybe to even feel some sort of jealousy, right? I, I, I actually personally don't believe that you could necessarily not feel an emotion, right? Like everybody feels fear. Everybody feels jealousy. I, I think it's important to not let it affect your actions, right? The person that, you know, had the one talent, he felt some kind of way, which is fine. He's human, but he acted on that emotion, right? So I think ways to combat that is just to get in the habit of celebrating, you know, folks and the blessing they've earned. Like if you find yourself seeing a friend doing something and you feel some kind of way, stop, acknowledge it, right? Don't judge yourself for it, but then focus on, hey, but I'm happy for them. You know, they worked hard. Um, they deserve it. Like just really celebrate that and go back to the talent story because, hey, you know, there's also and I like to like internalize and say, hey, I'm happy for them. And hey, I feel blessed for these things that, that I have and, and and that I'm thankful for that just a lot of people may not have. Right. And it's not a competition thing. So I don't it's a, it's a thin line between trying to compete against somebody else. And I don't necessarily say I have this and that person doesn't have it. I more go appreciate them and then go to gratitude for myself, because the cool thing is two negative, uh, a negative and a positive thought can't occupy the same space, right? So I feel the negative thought, then I reverse it with appreciation and love and celebration for the other person, and then flip it back to gratitude towards me, towards what I have. And that, that will move the jealousy out of the way, get me, get me thinking properly, right? The other thing to just know is that money doesn't buy happiness. Once you're not in poverty, the difference in money you have has no correlation on your happiness. I think about, me and my wife talk about this all the time. Like we were super happy in the beginning in our one bedroom apartment, you know, with not a lot of money. And we're super happy today. Right. I think the happiness comes and there's been times where we've been very unhappy when we've had a lot more than what we had, you know, you know, in the beginning. So the money and what you're able to do with it has no correlation on happiness at all. And keep that in perspective. A lot of people use the money and things to try to make them feel better. But like, I know a lot of people with a lot of money that are just unhappy and just bad individuals, right? And you know, and this is not a not it's not a political statement. I mean, even look at our president, right? He's the president of the U.S. He's arguably 
a billionaire, but his his negative energy. Right, he can be such a better president, such a better person because he had a lot. He has a lot of gifts, but he dwells on so much negative and feels he always has to prove himself because there's something inside of him that's just un, unhappy when he has so much, right? And again, it's not a political knock. That's just like, I, mean, I was a fan of the guy before, he, you know, um, because he has so much charisma. He is a great salesperson. I love his ability to think positive in a lot of situations and keep, you know, moving forward. Like, those are positives. But he's you know, like, if you go to his Twitter now, I haven't, I don't look at his Twitter, but I guarantee if you go to it now, it's negative, 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 negative. And there's a rule hurting people hurt people. I don't got to know him to know that what he puts out <laughs> is, is, is negative. So he needs to work on some stuff on the inside and make himself great again. <laughs> that actually was a knock right there. So <laughs> let's, get, let's get back to. <laughs> to the deal. And here's one other thing too that I think is really important because, you know, as you grow in life and you become better, you're going to attract people that are growing. And by the nature of that, you're going to have people that, you know, maybe have a better marriage than you or have more money than you or more successful in business than you. And initially, right, again, being honest with yourself, it may make you feel uncomfortable, right? Because you're like, well, man, I, I want what they have. And you have to struggle more with jealousy, but if you have the right perspective and get it and uh, get the right mindset, I more look at it as, hey, I'm I'm blessed. Iron sharpens iron. If I'm around, if I'm attracting people that are doing better than me, right, that means I'm gonna grow, right, and I don't I don't need to get better than them. I don't have to compete with them. I want to be around them because if I'm just around them, I'm gonna be better, right, and I'm gonna, you know, if they have ten talents and I have five. My job, or pieces of gold, right, the, the, the Bible verse calls it talents, which is, you know, I translate it into pieces of gold as a form of money. But the point is, if they were blessed with 10 and I have five, I don't need to get 20. I just, I'm, I'm called to double what I have, and I want to be appreciative to what I have, right? And my measuring stick is against me, not somebody else. And so I just want to get better. And so keeping that perspective helps you to not make those relationships toxic, you know, not have the ill will or, you know, waiting for waiting for the people that you um, love in your life to fail so that you can feel better about yourself because, you know, now they're down there by where you are. So, yeah, th- those are my thoughts on jealousy. Just some ways to deal with it. I'm, I'm not a therapist. I'm not an expert. I'm just sharing my perspective and, and how this might help you. If you own these emotions and evaluate them properly, it can help you build more wealth. Here are my closing thoughts. So, if you follow me on Instagram, you probably know. Um, ask Philip on Instagram. Follow me if you haven't followed me yet. But I'm at a new gym. So uh, good gym, good group of guys, having a good time. I'm in fight camp number two, right? Got a fight in January that I'm training for. So, again, if you want to see the progress, follow me on Instagram there. It's fun. I'm getting in shape. I'm, I'm learning things. I'm still still dropping weight. This is side note. If, if any of y'all just want to, like, do boxing or Muay Thai or anything just for, like, health and weight loss, like, the workout is ridiculous. It gets you, like, in shape in a relatively, you know, quick period of time. So I would I would encourage it for everybody. And then and then last, if, if for those of you who have who have not went to my website, go to my website, StonehillWealthManagement.com. I have a course on there about investing, retirement planning, saving, money management. Check it out. Share it with with friends. It's it's free. Like you don't got to pay for it, but it's it's just with all the terrible 
information out there about money and or the expensive courses that don't really teach you anything. I just wanted to put something out there that people uh, can see value in. So check it out. You heard on the other on the other interview my pick for the fight over the weekend. If you, if you got a fight pick and you're listening to this in time, drop me a message on Instagram. Let me know who you think is gonna is gonna win uh, Khabib or Gaethje tomorrow. I think it'll be a good fight on pay-per-view. UFC 2-something. I don't know, 254? I don't know what it is. Hey, UFC, if you listen to this, hey, I will I will hype your fights every week if you want to uh, sponsor the podcast. But I'm expensive because I don't really need sponsors. Y'all have a good day. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.